Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Charles Whitaker. Now, I am very excited to have Charles as my guest. He is a coach who specializes in helping professionals manage anxiety and panic attacks, as well as PTSD and CPTSD, and also trauma recovery using hypnotherapy. So I am super excited to welcome Charles Whitaker to the show. Welcome, Charles. Hello, Sada. Lovely to meet you. Yeah, it's great to have you. Now, I'm very excited to have you on this episode because I know that a lot of the topics you cover are going to be extremely interesting and relevant to a lot of people who are listening to this. So... Tell me a little bit about what you do, Charles. I work with individuals to help them feel better about themselves so they can deal with life's problems differently. Very often they start from a place where they've been traumatized for whatever reason, and I help them to resolve that. And I tend to do that fairly quickly. And it's not about counseling. It's not like counseling where you go and sit down and talk, tell your story all over again several times. That's actually counterproductive in my experience. You're it's like going through a hayfield and trampling the same path a thousand times. And that's what we don't want. We want the path to grow over again and create new empowering pathways. So that's what we're doing here is to sort of help people to um, resolve these things that have got in their way. I say that's done fairly quickly. Without the story, I just want a few one or two headlines and start to deal with the things that have actually happened in terms of which have brought their sense of self-worth, self-esteem low. People tend to feel rubbish. Very often, even people are getting on with a life fairly normally. Often just do so. They're just sort of good old British stiff upper lip and get on with it kind of thing. It doesn't sort of serve them in the long run. It's niggling away somehow. And so it's good to be able to sort of take wherever they're at and help people to sort of, to prosper in the best sense of the word. I don't just mean financially. I just mean in the, so they feel good about themselves. So, yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people just soldier on, uh, especially people going through a breakup or separation or a divorce. I think quite a lot of people just carry on as best they can, but not actually resolve some of those issues that are going on underneath the surface. And then other people won't be able to function um, and will be just be totally devastated by what's happening. So we all cope differently, don't we? But actually going to see somebody like you who can help actually get to the issues. And I love the fact that you say you resolve things pretty quickly because sometimes I see clients who have been stuck in therapy for years and haven't moved forward. For actually the same reason they're telling their story over and over again, as you say, reinforcing that pathway rather than allowing it to grow over and, and move on to past just news. So tell me a little bit about the techniques that you use, because I'm fascinated by the TFT. I know that you've trained in that, and that's something that I'm a huge fan of. Can you explain to our listeners what that is? TFT stands for Thought Field Therapy. If we take the idea that from Chinese medicine, 
that we have meridians of energy running through our body. In typical Chinese acupuncture, you'll stick needles in, which is very effective. I'm a huge fan of Chinese acupuncture. It's really good stuff. In this process, we take the idea of electrical beings, because that's effectively what I see meridians as, and we're changing the flow of electricity in some way. I don't pretend to understand why it is effective. I haven't a clue. I know it works. And frankly, that's all I care about. And so that's all my clients care about. It's something that really works for them. What we do is simply tap on different areas of the body. It's as simple as that. And we talk as well. So I want to start with uh, clearing out um, any reversals that may be going on, psychological reversals, which are just like blockages to get in the way of making a change. We can have these internal blockages which sort of get in the way of change. And then we do the work with the tapping. So if we take something very simple, we might tap under the eye and under the arm, on the collarbone point. And we would then do another sequence of close your eyes, open your eyes, look down to the left, look down to the right, rotate your eyes one way, rotate the eyes the other way, hum, hum, happy birthday or jingle bells, something very simple. Can't want to find that loud, hum, happy birthday again, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And then you repeat that sequence of under eye, under arm, collarbone. And before you started that, you check as to how unsettled people are, and then you check afterwards. Now, there's no means of understanding which sequence people are necessarily going to respond to. There are certain typical sequences for typical life experiences. So there are typical ones for addictive urges, typical ones for trauma, typical ones for anxiety, fear, stress. But it really is sort of from the note-taking stage when we talking to people about what is at the heart of what's going on for them or not going on for them, that I can sort of pick out the likely path and we go from there. So if things are going well, if the number drops when we do that sequence, then we continue with that sequence and take it down to zero. But sometimes there's no response at all, and then we switch to a different sequence. So it might be corner of the eye, under the eye, under arm and collarbone point, that kind of thing. Or it might be the outside edge of the eye. Outside energy of the eyes for rage. Now, I can well imagine the kind of people we are addressing here uh, have rage. Some people do because they've had such an appalling time. And there'll be a rage still trying to get out and not uh, what won't have been resolved. Guilt happens. Embarrassment happens. The embarrassment of actually having to go through a divorce court for many people is very upsetting. All the human emotions come into all of this. And so there are different tapping sequences working for different things. So it's listening, asking questions, creating a sense of where direction or where we're going, and then tapping at which way we got to go. Wow. So there's different points to tap for different emotions. So obviously rage, you get two fingers and you're tapping by the side of your eye. Just how many times would you need to tap? I would tap six times typically. Six times there, and then maybe moving to under the arm, you said, didn't you? Under the arm. I'm about six inches below the armpit, yes. And then the and then, we have two collarbone points. You can tap on another collarbone point, which is just where the collarbone joins the sternum. So just here in the centre, for people listening, it's like where the collarbone runs down from the shoulders into the centre of the chest and joins the sternum, which is the bone in the middle of the chest. So it's just where they come in. There's two knotty points here, collarbones run in. So you tap on one of those. It doesn't particularly matter which one you tap on. Uh, little finger for anger. Oh, little finger for anger. So those people listening, two fingers tapping the outside of my little finger up. And then index finger. I'm tapping on the edge of the index finger. That, that's for guilt. 
Now, I'm not pretending that any of these things are going to work for anybody listening just by simply tapping on these points because they aren't necessarily, we put them together in a sequence when we're working with people. So it's just part of a sequence. These are the examples of how things fit together. So when people tell me they are embarrassed and they feel guilty, well, we include those points in the work that we're doing. Okay. Wow. I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? And then you do the, the eye movements as well, don't you? So you said something about shutting your eyes, opening your eyes. Yes. Once they've been through that, there's a sequence called the nine gamut sequence. Now, on the back of our hand, and I'm holding my hand up for the listeners, uh, if you go around from the ring finger and little finger, the knuckle there, and you take your run round on the back of the hand to about an inch below them, there's a soft spot in the middle of your hand there. Can you feel that, Sarah? Yeah, I can feel that, yeah. Yeah, that's the gamut spot. So for the sequence after the tapping sequence, we then tap that spot continuously, then close our eyes, then we open our eyes, look down to the left, and look to the right, then keep on tapping, rotate the eyes in one direction, rotate the eyes in the other direction, then hum happy birthday out loud. It's, <laughs> I do it with them because they don't because people feel embarrassed when they say hum happy birthday. You go, what? I hum it with them so they don't feel embarrassed. So um, and I don't have a very good voice as you can hear. I don't care. People <laughs> join in the fun. And who said therapy can't be fun as well? And then you say one to five out loud. One, two, three, four, five. Or and then you hum happy birthday again. And then you go back and repeat that sequence of under the eye, under the arm, collarbone, or whichever sequence you're working on. And then you check how much the disturbance, which is the sort of thing you're measuring, how much that has dropped in that sequence. So yeah, I'm a big fan of TFT. I studied it back in the day, a long time ago, with a lady called Anne Jitt. She's also been an amazing guest on one of my episodes as well. She's incredible. And and actually, I find it very useful for anxiety and panic attacks, things like that. So can you explain, because I know you do specialise in anxiety and panic attacks as well. How do you help clients with those? Because when you are going through a breakup, maybe you're coming out of a toxic relationship. Maybe you're struggling with some of the things that have happened. Those sort of things can come out of nowhere, can't they? They can. And my work when I'm working with people is not just to sort of deal with where they're at in the moment, it's to give them a set of skills to take away so they look after themselves because I can only be there for a certain length of time. So I want people to sort of know what to do for self-management. So I would teach them to use the tapping as we've been talking here. I would take them through a sequence. We'll find out what works for them. I also use other methods or approaches such as rhythmic breathing. In rhythmic breathing, we're breathing through the nose. I would encourage anybody to only breathe through the nose. In the post-COVID world, we don't really want to be breathing out through our mouth. When we breathe out through the nose, there are actually chemical processes that happen inside the nose, such as the generation of nitric oxide, which help fight virus. And nitric oxide is a chemical which we generate from the parasinuses when we breathe out through the nose. And nitric oxide is very antiviral. It's also antibiotic and antibacterial. Wow. So in so, a post-COVID world, being able to have a means of generating a chemical which is antiviral just by ourselves seems a pretty good deal to me. 
Yeah, absolutely. So breathing in and out just through your nose, not using your mouth. No, no. Never use the mouth for breathing. Uh, use the mouth for breathing as often as you use your nose for eating. <laughs> okay, so not often at all then. So, okay. Exactly. <laughs> you get my point. So rhythmic breathing is purely breathing in and out through your nose rather than using your mouth. To, yes. And using the belly. We want to engage the diaphragm in the breathing process, not the chest. So it's learn to breathe low into the body. If you put your hand on your belly and hand on your chest, and when you breathe in, just letting the belly expand. And then when you breathe out, let the belly contract. Mm, that's interesting. That's sort of almost counterintuitive in a way. <laughs> it is amazingly effective. And with my colleagues, something called the Breathing Institute, which has been founded by a man called Ben Wolfe, we have a whole range of different breathing practices for different conditions, such as asthma, long COVID, menopause, and so on. Do you have one for anxiety and panic attacks? Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad, and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. Do you have one for anxiety and panic attacks? Yes. So this links in with what I was going to say, to tell you, Sarah, that when we imagine that we can sense the panic, not like the word panic attack, we're not being attacked. Ask people to do away with the word attack because it's not helpful. Just panic. Big red stop sign comes on in your, in your imagination and in the imagination also see your hand coming up and saying in a loud internal voice, stop and change your thinking to a different subject. Change to thinking of a walk in the country. Then you can also breathe on top of that into the count of seven and out to the count of 11. So we're making it, people sometimes find seven and 11 a little bit uh, difficult to start with. Once they get the idea, they tend to get there. So I, I invite them to start more easily, say at five and nine. The key thing is the out breath is half as long again as the in breath. Now you don't do this for too long because if you do it for too long, it gets quite tiring. But four or five breaths like this is actually usually enough to take the edge off any panic or any, any anxiety. I will typically use this myself for day-to-day -day things like getting stuck at traffic lights. <laughs> we all hate being stuck at traffic lights, or most people do in my experience. Yeah. And even more is waiting in the supermarket queue. None of us, I don't think anybody likes the experience of being waiting in a supermarket queue. 7 Eleven is pretty good for that. It takes <laughs> the edge off the irritation. Okay. 
that's great. I mean, I think breathing does, it really calms you and stops you. And I think focusing your mind is on something else is obviously very powerful. Something I talk a lot about in my coaching is shift your focus. In the middle of panicking, though, that can be hard to do, can't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Other things you can do is sort of take the eyes to, for the listeners, I'm holding my fingers out, say, 10 inches away from my face and about the width of my face. And I'm just letting the hands move out in each direction. So you'll lose sight of them off the screen, Sarah. And so will any viewers, but my hands are reaching right the way out. But my eyes, the corner of my eyes can see them in both directions. So you're watching your index fingers moving apart, just yes. not by moving anything. You're just looking at your peripheral vision. Yes, right in both directions at the same time. See what happens. You tend to find a very quiet space when you do that. Yeah. Notice? Yeah, it's very calming. It's incredible. It's interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes the, the simplest of techniques can have the biggest impact. Indeed, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another thing which is very simple to do, it's not necessarily for panic, but this is a good thing to do at the end of the day, it's also very soothing, is to take two fingers again. You know what the infinity symbol looks like? For people who are listening who don't, it's a, like a flat eight, an eight lying on its side. So you just rotate, do that across your forehead, fairly slowly, for 30 seconds. Just for this for 30 seconds, and see what happens. Gosh, that is a feeling very... <laughs> relaxing making me sleepy actually it does and you that's one of the best times to do it is before you go to bed at night that's a very useful technique then for people that struggle to sleep i know a lot of my listeners will be struggling after a breakup to sleep that's because that. their mind will be whirring they'll yep. be replaying a lot of things i find people that cope well during the day with busyness and distraction and kids and work and everything else when they get to bed, sometimes that's when they're sat there staring at the ceiling, wishing they could sleep and, and not being able to. So would you advise that? Anybody who comes to me as a client, I teach that as a one of my standards. I've done my job taught them how to do that. It's so effective. Gosh, I love that. That's really it's good. It's, it's so easy. And you can do yeah. it any time. Um, bedtime, of course, but you can do it any time. Does it work on young kids, Charles? That's what no, everyone wants not? to know. No reason why it shouldn't work on young kids. <laughs> there you go for you parents out there. Could be a good little technique to use on your little ones when they don't want to go to sleep. But brilliant, <laughs> yes. I mean, I think it's that sort of thing is really important. And I know that you also deal with clients who are struggling with PTSD yes. and CPTSD. So can you explain the difference between the two and then what they both mean? PTSD is post-traumatic stress. The D stands for disease or disorder, which I dislike intensely because it is not a disease and it's not a disorder. It's just a natural way. It's a very uncomfortable way, but it's a natural way of responding to some something which our uh, autonomic nervous system, our, our, our nervous system doesn't know how to work with. It, it's not seen it before. It doesn't know what to do with it. It gets stuck and processes it over and over and over again. And it goes round, round, so then we start to ruminate. We can have, very often have nightmares, all that kind of thing with, or simple PTSD, PTS. So PTS, I, mean, I agree with you, it's not a disorder or a disease. It's a, it's a natural human reaction and your body's way of coping to something yes. that's significantly traumatic. Is that a one-off incident usually with? It can be all it takes. It can be as simple as being involved in a car accident. 
Right. I mean, it's not nice, and the car accident is a pretty horrific experience. I'm not saying it's, it's easy. I'm saying it's a sing, single event, not more than that. Whereas complex PTSD is very often something that starts in childhood and then has layer upon layer upon layer opportunity of repeat experiences. For right. example, children who, are com- who live in an abusive household, and that's the pattern they learn. It becomes normal, and sadly, they often bring that into their adult life. And mm. since they don't know that, that's, that's how they choose the partner, because that is what is normal is. The whole thing gets compounded. I also volunteer with a charity called Icarus. Now, Icarus look after veterans and blue light services personnel with PTS and related conditions. So very often what we're dealing with there with are people who have had tough childhoods and then get military trauma on top so that these things are can be complex. But on the other hand, even though they're complex, they can be shifted remarkably quickly. So what techniques do you use with them? What sort of therapy are you using with clients with those PTSD or PTS? Typically, I'm doing, for listeners, I would have a light pen. But I'm typically taking this light pen and moving it across. This is an eye movement technique. There are various ways of using this. For the listeners, I'm, I'm just moving it across the screen from right away from the left, right away across the right. But there are various other movements which we can do for little short movements or we can dance up and down, all, the, all these different movements. And we're starting from the point where the client has said this is the, we're asking, we've got a picture of what it is. The trauma. Of the trauma, got a picture of the trauma, that we've got the emotion, where they feel that in the body, any negative sayings that go with it, and then we start this process of, of the eye movement and on the various things to go, go with that. And they stay with that memory whilst that's all happening. Then periodically, I check in with what's happened to the, the memory. How fresh is it now? And typically, it will go down in stages. Sometimes it collapses straight away. If we're really lucky, it just goes. But usually it comes down in stages. And I vary the movement technique according to, to what's happening. And I'm closely observing their eyes at the same time. There's a lot of information in the eyes in this process. So is that EMDR as a process? It's a rapid form of EMDR, yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. EMDR yeah. itself, EMDR is well established. For me, it's rather clunky and takes a long time. But this is this rapid EMDR, rapid EMDR is really effective. That's fascinating. I mean, I've tried EMDR and I find it absolutely brilliant for trauma. I do find yeah. that it shifts. And again, it's one of those things that I don't think anyone really understands exactly how it works, but it doesn't really matter if it works, I guess. So definitely worth giving it a go. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, this is fascinating. So what about trauma hypnotherapy? I know you, you do that as well. How does that work? Well, Depends on what we call hypnotherapy. This eye movement thing I regard as hypnotherapy myself, although some of the people who teach it say it's not hypnotherapy. Well, depends what you think of as hypnotherapy. So I don't want to get into sort of discussions of what is or what isn't hypnotherapy. I tend to view it myself as hypnotherapy, but uh, for hypnotherapy processes, sometimes I will use a metaphorical process. So we invite them to go to an island and let stuff go. And there's various means on the island. It's a well-established island in one of the therapeutic circles I move in. Very well-established, some really good stuff. And so, for example, there's a tree with lots of birds on it. And the birds have all sorts of manner of ills. 
which they put on the birds, and the birds fly away and carry them with them. And then one big bird takes the really big burden with it, and it can carry absolutely anything with it. It is quite staggering how effective that is. And then he takes them to meet the future self. And one military guy I was working with recently, nothing had worked until we did this. None of this fancy stuff, which really normally is hugely effective, took him to meet his future self. And he was able to get forgiveness from somebody who definitely felt responsible for. Wow. I mean, I guess the military, you know, they really do have extreme so examples of PTS and, you know, working with them, if it's effective for, for that deep-rooted horror that they've been through, I guess, you know, it, it can work on other sorts of trauma. What do you sort of count as trauma? Because I know a lot of my listeners will be going through a divorce, a heartbreak, maybe their partner's had an affair, maybe they're just living with the guilt of, of making that decision to leave someone. What sort of counts as trauma in your mind and what would be effective for those sort of things? Is this what would it work on? Yeah, it pretty well works on anything. But what is trauma is totally individual. What is traumatic for you is not traumatic for me. So it's what really our brain has difficulty processing. So, for example, if your partner, your husband, your wife has had, a, had, a, had an affair, that can be all it needs. That can be very traumatic. Very more when you find out I've been cheated on. Or they've thrown away all the family finances. They've gambled them on something. Mm. That kind of thing. It's such a shock to the system that just needs that one event. And that's what I'm talking about here. So some people just shrug the shoulders. Uh, Some people are numb. Uh, Other people just have this real difficulty in taking it all on board. I mean, it does come in all different shapes and sizes, doesn't it? And as you said, you know, breakups, divorce, trauma is different for everyone. Some people can go through some really horrific experiences and and come out seemingly unscathed and other people it could be smaller incidents but it's all relative to to the individual and there's no right or wrong it's there's no judgment it's just how we react in the moment but you know I was listening to a really interesting um speaker the other day who was saying that you know going through tough times actually you emerge stronger so, you know, if you, if you avoid all these challenges and traumas in life, you know, you're not as strong as people that have been through them because you do come out stronger. And I guess that's the sort of light at the end of the tunnel, isn't it? That by using, you know, these therapies that you teach and, you know, that are available, people can speed up that process and heal from what they've been through. But actually, you know, going through it isn't something to necessarily avoid because it does make you stronger as a person. Sure, it does. When you've resolved it appropriately and you realise that you've come through it, it can make you much, much stronger. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to say there, Sarah, was that very often, from my experience, people put up with a lot before the break comes. Not necessarily, but it's just in certain times. They put up with a lot and there's little abuses here, little abuses there, a bit of bullying and this guy, that kind of thing. And the point where it comes when the whole thing falls apart and all these little little things build up and that is also traumatic for people. It can be very, very insidious. And sometimes the when there's a lot of lying going on, but you're not sure it's lying, with a pathological liar, you appear to be telling the truth, but something tells you, your gut tells you, this, this isn't right. And then you find out it was true. And that really ruins your sort of instinct. Then later on, you find out something else, which is I thought you thought they said was true, and you find it wasn't true. You re- your instinct to what is true and what isn't true really takes a hammering. 
it's important to take time to listen to people and help them find a way home through their own own sense of self. Yeah, you're spot on, Charles. I mean, gaslighting is actually a really common tactic used by abusers in relationships. And you, know, you may not even realise it at the time. It may only be as you're coming out or even with hindsight that you start to realise that, you know, you didn't really know what was going on because <laughs> you were being told all sorts of things that weren't true. But we stop listening to our gut instincts. You know, we stop listening to that because we doubt ourselves so much in those kind of environments, in those relationships. So don't trust ourselves to make the right decisions. So we always second guess ourselves and put our faith in somebody else who isn't the right person to be trusting. I know that place. Me too. And I'm sure lots of our listeners as well are resonating very strongly with this. So, I mean, it's fascinating stuff, Charles. How can people find you, Charles? Where can they go to find out more about what you do and get in touch with you? Yeah, I have a website, which is www.charleswhitaker.co.uk, charleswhitaker.co.uk. Or you can email me at charles at charleswhitaker.co.uk. Whitaker has one T, W-H-I-T. A-K-E-R. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Can people find you on social media as well? Oh, yes, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, Charles Whittaker Executive Performance on LinkedIn. Charles Whittaker Executive Performance, all one word. And I'm on Facebook as Charles Whittaker Specialised Therapy. Great. Okay. And one last question for you, Charles, that I ask all my guests. My podcast and my show is called Heartbreak to Happiness. And so I always like to find out what happiness is for my guests. So what is happiness for you, Charles? Oh, (laughs) good question. It's lots of different things at different times. It can be just coming home here. I think, ah, nice to be home again. Hmm. Or it could be setting off the journey. Oh, it's great. I'm I'm off for a nice long drive. I'm going somewhere I want to go. Or it could be a beautiful sunset, a lovely sunrise. Or I have some very special places I like to go to. For anybody who's listening I'm, or what, and watching, I'm from the Lake District. I have some very special places there, which I love to go. And, um, and other places too. I like to be on the ship, watching the sea go by. All sorts of things bring me happiness. A special person can too. Yeah, exactly. I think it's good to have lots of ways to feel happy because then you've got more options. So excellent. I love it. Well, thank you ever so much. I'm sure that everyone has found that fascinating. Some really interesting and useful tools there, Um, especially the infinity sign, I think, especially for sleep at night. I will be trying that one out myself. So thank you, Charles, for being my guest today. Thank you for inviting me, Sarah. I've enjoyed it enormously. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. To find out more about Charles, do head on over to www.charleswhitaker.co.uk and I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sarah's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sarah herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sarah's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness. Heartbreak to Happiness.